Well, it is a privilege and an honor to have the Zapolis with us today. And uh, they uh, preach all over this country. Um, they're national. Um, he's also a recording artist as well. Um, sings and uh, he has some devotionals back there, some of his CDs, and he can also connect you to Apple Music or whatever uh, platform he's using. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm just so excited. We had a wonderful first service, uh, timely word, and I'm just looking forward to what uh, they're, how they're going to minister today. So would you welcome with me the Sapolis as they come? Praise the Lord. Thank you for having us. You can be seated. I'm so thankful for God's presence, aren't you? Amen. He's so good to us. Uh, my wife is a much better singer <laughs> and, uh, and piano player. We're going to sing a song this morning. If you know it, I encourage you to worship the Lord with us. Amen. Let's see what God wants to do today. Can we lift up our hands to him? Lord, we love you. We worship you. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place. And thank you for your precious people, God. You've come to do a great work in our lives. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. We're hungry for you, Lord. We're hungry for you. Yes, God. Jesus name. This is a house of worship. And this is a place of praise. It's where every demon trembles. And where we proclaim your name. And this is a house of healing. God, our hearts are full of faith. And you have our full attention. And you have the final say. Also, oh, we sing, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. And this is a house of miracles. And we bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. But this is a house of miracles. And there's resurrection power. And your blood flows through our veins. Triumphs over, oh, even the coldest grave. So we sing, come alive, in the name of Jesus, come alive, in the name of Jesus. And this is a house of miracles, and we bring everything feet of Jesus, everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Oh, I still believe you're moving. I still 
you believe you're speaking God I believe you're working all things for good so I fix my eyes on heaven God I receive your vision God I believe you're working all things for good and I still believe you're moving I still believe you're speaking God I believe you're working all things for good so I fix my eyes on heaven God I receive your vision Lord I believe you're working all things for good oh, oh, so we sing come alive in the name of Jesus come alive in the name of Jesus but this is a house of miracles we believe in Lord and we bring everything to the feet of Jesus everything in the name of Jesus this is a house of miracles hallelujah you believe that we lift up our hands to you Jesus we know you can do all things God everything you do every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights you do all things well we worship you Jesus amen is there a hunger inside of you today glory to God second Kings chapter 7 if you have your Bibles that like to turn there. Wow, thank you for having us live point. And Pastor, thank you so much. A wonderful church, wonderful family. And uh and your family's got talent coming out of their ears, man. And uh I heard dad over there singing too, so dad's got pipes, man. He may not sing much here, but man, he's got pipes. Praise God. Uh Second Kings chapter seven. And Colleen and I are so happy to be with you. Your pastor's always been so gracious and kind to us and and, and giving to us. Amen. We this blessed us and uh it just the Lord has used him to bless us greatly in the past and we've we've done nothing for him. He's just the hands and feet of God and he's really, really blessed us and and I'm thankful for your pastor and amen. I know you are too. You're spoiled. 2 Kings 7, verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter into the city, the famine is in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, let uh, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, then we'll live. But if they kill us, then I guess we'll only die. Uh, this is actually a very powerful revelation. You're going to die anyway. <laughs> You're going to die anyway. It really is a powerful revelation. They rose up at twilight to go to the, tent, the, the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, nobody was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the voice of chariots and the noise of, of, of horses, the noise of a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, horses, donkeys, and they fled for their lives. 
And when the then when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing, and went and hid them. And then they came back and entered into another tent and carried some more from there also and went and hid it. Verse nine said, But when they then they said one to another, We're not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly nobody was there, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied in their tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. Amen. What uh, what an awesome uh, story here, amen, not just a story, but uh, God wants to speak to somebody who's hungry today. He wants to speak uh, to a hunger inside of you, amen, and this message is to the hungry, and we've already worshiped the Lord, and thank you for standing, and uh, you can be seated in the name of the Lord. To the hungry, I was in uh, in Dallas Texas is right up the road from where I'm from and a couple hours drive. I was at a church, a couple of, this has been a, probably a couple of years now. I was at a church I'd never been to before. And it was a, a fairly large church. And I was uh, a little nervous for some reason that morning. And I was trying to, I guess, get acclimated <laughs> And as I was talking, I was preaching, and and uh, nobody was really responding. People were just staring at me. And uh, so I just amened myself. And it was so bad, actually, because every once in a while I will, uh, I'll, I'll listen back or, or, God forbid, watch back just a message that I've preached, and I do that because... I understand that there are different ticks that we can pick up, habits that we don't even realize that are distracting, really. And I took, you know, the speech classes and, and even growing up in the church, uh, Brother uh, Bernard would have different minister sessions and, and he would tell us, you know, remove distractions, all distractions. It's not about you, it's about the message. And so, so every once in a while, I'll listen or watch back. And I was watching myself talking to this church and man the first probably 10 minutes of the message i said the word amen probably 5678 times <laughs> and uh it was so embarrassing as i continued to watch myself just amen 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 and the lord convicted me as i was watching that video convicted me on four things that i needed to address right away and one of them was, he said, you need to be quiet. You need to be comfortable with silence. You need to be comfortable with silence. He said, because you're speaking my word, my word's going forth. It can't find a place to rest. You're sitting there playing hot potato with my word. Nobody's responding, so you're just amening. And you're just juggling my word. It can't land anywhere because you won't be quiet. <laughs> and the Lord really dealt with me. And, and, and it's really a, a much bigger picture than that, too. Not just only when I'm preaching, but is my life talking too much? 
I didn't say, is my wife talking too much? I said, is my life, is your life talking too much? Sometimes as a way to avoid God, we play God. Sometimes as a way to uh, avoid the hurts and the hangups that he really wants to deal with, we know how to shield ourselves. We know how to play the game. We know how to talk the talk, right? God wants to get deep sometimes, and he can't do it because sometimes we're not quiet. And Mark, uh, Mark Batterson wrote a book called Whisper, and in this book, I believe he begins the book off this way, talking about an ear, nose, and throat specialist back in the day named Alfred Tomatis. And he dubbed the Tomatis effect. And what it was is he was working with opera singers who, who would come to him having problems. They couldn't hit certain notes that all their life they've been able to hit. And of course, we know opera singers are the best in the world. Nobody has a range like them. And so these very professional singers would come to him and they could not hit a certain note that was well within their range. And so he was stumped at this and he was researching and what he found out was, and he dubbed this the Tomatis effect, that the sound of their own voices deafened their eardrums to the note. And if you can't hear the note, you can't hit the note. And so I wonder how many times we're deafening ourselves to the note, to the target that we're trying to hit. Because we know if you've been in church any length of time, uh, or you've, been, you've called yourself a Christian, or you've worn that badge, we all know how to play the game of shallow Christianity. We, know all, we all know how to wear the badge. But Christ is calling us deeper, and sometimes we, we can't really hear it because we've drowned him out because we're doing our thing, right? Does that make sense? We're busy doing our thing. Sometimes we got to get quiet. You know, it's, it's not the will of God that you're on fire for God 110% of the time. Now, I know that you're thinking, well, that's not what an evangelist is supposed to say. This evangelist is supposed to get me running the aisles. And, and, and I like those services. I really do. I love blowout services, all that stuff. But, you know, it's not the will of God that you're on fire for him 110% of the time. Sometimes it's the will of God that you're empty. Sometimes the will of God, you come face to face with the reality that I just don't have what it takes. Some of you, maybe perhaps you're praying prayers here lately and think, where is God? I've been, I've been asking God to show up on my behalf. I can't hear from God. I can't feel God. He feels a million miles away. Sometimes it's the will of God. Because if you were never empty, you wouldn't appreciate food. Didn't you hate it when your parents... You go to your parents and say, man, I'm hungry. I'm starving. And they said, well, there's bologna in the fridge. Did you hate that? I don't want bologna. And what'd they say? Then I guess you're not hungry. Oh, that fired me up. That's not true. I am. I'm starving. No, you ain't starving yet. Because when you're starving, that bologna starts looking real good. And see, God's trying to get some of us to a place where we can actually appreciate when he begins to work in our lives. We've got to be empty sometimes. I'll tell you people who don't appreciate rain, Seattle, Washington. I'll tell you people who don't really care for snow, a lot of Wisconsinites. 
you don't care if you ever see snow again in your life. A Texas boy, an Arizona girl, hey, it's cool to see snow. It's all fun and games, right? So you got to live in it six months of the year. But I'll tell you, you know, if you're from the desert, like my wife, she loves it when it rains. We'll go, and I don't care. It could be the ugliest place on earth. If it's raining, it's so beautiful. Why? Because she lives in the desert, never sees rain. Sometimes you got to understand, i got to get to the end of myself before I realize my desperate need for a move from God. See, a lot of us are just satisfied. Eh, give me a little bit of midnight snack. No, no, no. But God's looking for somebody who's desperate and who's hungry. I, I wonder if anybody's hungry in this place today. A friend of mine that, that, that really uh, helped us in, get solid in the church. Uh, I, I came into the church. I was a young boy, but my mom and dad, they were taught Bible studies and, and really helped out by this friend. And my mom is still friends with her today. Her name is Kathy. I was sitting at breakfast one morning with my mom and dad and with Kathy uh, just, just a couple of months ago in Austin. And uh, she was talking about how she had went to knock doors with the church on a random Saturday morning. And Kathy said, man, I just, I really wasn't into it. I didn't want to do it because... I thought, man, I'm just disturbing these people on their day off. I don't want to go knock on these people's doors. And she was praying internally, just praying to God, saying, Lord, I really don't want to do this. It's just, it's, and she felt the Lord speak to her and quicken her and said, you know what? To the hungry, it doesn't matter. The hungry aren't inconvenienced. The hungry don't care. But when you knock on their door, if you can find somebody who's hungry, who's desperate, Forget about all the others who don't really care. But I'm after one. I'm after somebody who's really desperate. And if, if, if God, God sees the hunger deep down in somebody's heart. Proverbs 27, verse 7 said, The full soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Luke 6, 25, Jesus said, Woe to you that are full, for you're going to hunger. But, and woe to you that laugh now, for you're going to mourn and weep. I've not come to impress anybody today. I'm sorry. I don't have a big theological revelation for you. I don't have anything that's going to wow you. But I'm telling you, God is looking for somebody who's hungry today. Hungry for more than just playing the game of church, coming in and out and not changing. God is looking for somebody who's hungry. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Come on now, why don't you take a drink of the living water? Why don't you satisfy your soul? Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Come on, hunger is a serious matter to God. He's not going to turn away the hungry. Psalm 107, verse 9, he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And Jesus offered an amazing promise in Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus is not talking about a midnight snack here. He's not talking about going to the fridge and getting a cup of milk and some Reese's. He's not talking about that kind of hunger. That's not hunger to Jesus. What he's talking about here is a famished soul, a desperation inside of you. You got those pangs, you're so hungry. He said, if, you, if you're like that for the presence of God, if you want me that much, if you really want to serve me that much, come on, you're about to be filled up. These four leprous men sat outside their own city gate because of this contagious disease called leprosy. Leprosy was a serious skin disease that would cause 
Some flesh sometimes to rot. Uh, some extremities sometimes would fall off. Uh, it was such a, a, a disease. And, and, and so you couldn't live with the people. You had to be outside. You were ostracized. You were, you were less than. But when the marginalized and the hurting and the broken and the outcasts and the confused, when the sinner wants to change, and begins to repent and cries out, can I tell you God's going to move heaven and earth? Because he hears the cry of the broken. God will move every hindrance, every obstacle out of the way for somebody who's hungry. All you have to do is make up your mind, I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm not going to sit here and die. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die trying. I'm going to die. I'm going to die for a worthy cause. But I'm not going to sit here in my sin, in my helplessness, in my sickness, in my pain. I'm going to move. I'm going to do something. I can't sit here and die. Oh, taste and see somebody that the Lord is good. When there's a commitment to, to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. When there's an attitude, I don't care what it costs me. It's worth the cost. It's what I want. Look out. You're about to be delivered. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I, 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 feel, I feel like there's a miraculous, a, a miraculous thing God wants to do in our midst today for somebody who's hungry. When you commit to see what happens, if you'll do something crazy, if you'll do something unthinkable, if you'll throw up your hands and say, God, I surrender. Come on, God's looking for somebody with that kind of commitment to go all the way. Whatever it takes mentality. Michael and Misty in Texas, uh, uh, right when the pandemic hit, this was March 15th or something, it was whatever that, that Sunday was, we were actually in a revival. And Michael and Misty were there. And uh, the altar call happened, and, and Misty, she didn't know what she was doing, but she just left her seat, and she started walking up the front. And I met her halfway. She's crying. I said, Misty, what you feel right now is God. If you just lift up your hands, he's about to fill you with his spirit. Misty lifted up her hands. I'm talking about she was talking in other tongues as she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately, tears streaming down her face. Michael is right there, and he's looking her up and down, and he's mad, noticeably upset. I said, Michael, what's the matter? He said, I've been in and out, in and out of church all my life. I've grown up in this. I've never received the Holy Ghost. I said, Michael, all you have to do is surrender. I began to tell Michael that between me and God, between each one of us, there's something that wants to steal your attention, that wants to distract you, that wants to satisfy you and get your attention off where it belongs. Between every one of us and God, there's something. And we got to make up our mind. I'm not letting that one thing stop me or two, whatever it is. I'm not going to let it stop me from getting everything I need from God. I said, Michael, I don't know what it is for you. But if you lift up your hands and you begin to repent and tell God I surrender, you can receive the Holy Ghost too. I said, I let me pray with you. I started began to pray with Michael. I said, now, and I'll just whisper to him. I said, I'm going to go pray for some other people, but I want you to keep on praying. You just talk to the Lord yourself. Tell him what that is. Surrender it to him. I'll come over here to this side. I'm praying for some others. A couple of minutes later, I walk back over here to where Michael is right in front of the podium. And on the platform, there are brass knuckles. Misty is pointing at, at the brass knuckles. I said, okay. So I picked him up. 
slipped them in my pocket. I didn't want Michael to be embarrassed. I came over and I said, Michael, did you throw those brass knuckles down? He said, yes, I did. I said, well, you're about to receive the Holy Ghost. I said, just go ahead and lift up your hands one more time. And Michael, within 15 seconds, was speaking in tongues. As the power of God filled him. And I, I asked him after I said, Michael, tell me, what, what's the deal? What, what was it? He said, and it just his whole countenance was changed. He was smiling. He was rejoicing. His father was there rejoicing. And Michael said, hey, you know, ever since I was a kid, ever since I can remember, I was picked on. I was the runt. I was always made fun of. He said, so I determined that I would never leave my house without some type of protection, be it a knife, a gun, knuckles, whatever it was, but I was going to protect myself. Michael was running, come to find out, from a bad drug deal. He was in hiding, actually. He was uh, several hours away. He was is somewhere in North Texas, and he was down in the Austin area. And, and I'm talking about real-life situations, not some pie-in-the-sky deal. But Michael was really, the rubber had met the road for Michael. And he had to determine, as the Word of God goes forth, Michael said, as you were preaching about surrender, he said, God spoke to me, and he said, are you going to take care of yourself, or are you going to let me take care of you? Are you going to protect yourself, or are you going to let me protect you? And now this is a real-life situation where Michael's running from a, drug, from a gang and a drug deal gone bad, and Michael had to make up his mind, you know what, I don't care what it costs me, I surrender. It's worth the cost to me. Oh, is anybody that hungry today? Is God speaking to anybody today? Has anybody got the hunger of four leprous men who sit there and said, you know what, we're going to die anyway. Somebody needs to get a revelation. You're going to die anyway. And everything that you've collected, everything, my, the name that you built for yourself, it's all going to pass away. And you're going to leave your money to somebody. But every one of us is going to die. we got to get a revelation. I'm going to bow my knee to God today. I'm going to get everything God has for me today. I'm hungry for the supernatural. Can you lift up your hands right now and say, God, uh, I'm hungry. Uh, come on, is that you that I'm speaking to? The Word of God is going forth for somebody. Oh, God, I'm desperate. I'm hungry. If I go back home to my people, they can do nothing for me, and I'm going to die. If I leave this place without having surrendered, I'm going to die. They're hungry, too. They don't know how to feed me. But if I'm willing to do something crazy, God's willing to match my intensity level. And God's willing to make my enemies flee before me. Come on, somebody. God's going to send the enemy running. He's going to send them packing. If you make up your mind, I'm hungry and I'm desperate. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm talking to a hunger deep down inside somebody that said, I don't really know how to do it. Can I tell you? You don't have to know the ins and outs of what to do. All you have to do is say, God. I surrender. You might not even know how to pray. That's all right. There's a 12, 13-year-old boy named Nathaniel. We were, my wife and I were at a youth camp. We had, we had preached. We were sitting outside by a bonfire. All those kids, man, they were prayer warriors. Well, they were praying at altar call. But Nathaniel sat there unmoved. He just sat there untouched. I didn't know Nathaniel's story. All of a sudden, I'm watching kids come gather around him, kids, a young people, come gather around him and start to lift up his arms. Nathaniel, hey, man, all you got to do is say Jesus. All you got to do is say, God, I surrender. Just talk to him. Open your mouth, Nathaniel. I'm watching these kids. All of a sudden, one's got one arm, another one's got another arm. One's got their hand on his head. Many got their hand on his shoulders. This guy's just like, yeah. <laughs> And uh, just about the time I'm about to step in, 
because I always care about how people, you know, feel. Sometimes I'm overly concerned about somebody's comfort level. We need to get uncomfortable, folks. If you're going to have a move of God, guess what? And I believe what we're saying today, we need a move of God. Guess what? God said he's got a prayer request, too. He said, if I can get a move of you, you'll get a move of me. That's the Bible. Say, well, I, God, if you're going to do anything for me, then you're just going to have to zap me with your presence, God, because I'm not moving out of my place of comfort. God said, I'm already passed you by. I'm looking for somebody who's hungry, somebody who's desperate. It's Bible. Psalm 18, 25, and 26 said to the pure, you show yourself pure. To the merciful, you show yourself merciful. To the upright, you show yourself upright. But to the forward, you show yourself forward. Another translation said to the bad, you disguise yourself. If you're not willing to reveal yourself to God, he's not revealing himself to you. I'm talking about God is calling prayer warriors. He's been on you, intercessors. He's been asking you, come on, would you come to a secret place and get along with me in a closet? See, because a lot of us can pray out loud in public, but we can't pray in private. We can't find a time on our knees in a secret place in a prayer closet. God said, you're just a hypocrite. You're just people that want to be heard and seen of other people. He said, I got plenty of them out there, but I, I need some hungry people who really want to get desperate. My God. Anybody, I'm, I'm reaching, the Holy Ghost is talking to all of us right now. Uh, and Nathaniel sat there. All of a sudden, I'm about to step in and break it up, give him some room to breathe. And the Holy Ghost checks me and said, don't stop it. Okay. So I just sat back and watched these young people, man. They're all over this guy. He can't do nothing. He's trying, you know. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's praying a little bit. I see words coming out of his mouth. He's, he's, he's mumbling. And then he gets to a place, maybe five minutes later, he gets tired, and he's just done. So I, now I step in. I say, all right, everybody break it up. Why don't y'all just go pray for yourselves? Nathaniel, I said, I want to talk to you. Why don't you stand up? I said, Nathaniel, what do you need from God? I said, are you depressed? I didn't know anything about him. He said, yes, I am. I said, do you have the Holy Ghost? He said, no. I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? Do you want God's Spirit? He said, yes. I said, do you know God can deliver you from depression instantly and fill you with his spirit all in one moment? But you got to want it. Nathaniel started nervously looking behind his shoulder. I could tell what Nathaniel was thinking as he was processing in his mind. My friends aren't here anymore. What happens if my friends don't come back? I said, Nathaniel, thank God for good friends, but you got to make up your mind. You want this. Nobody else is going to do this for you. You got to make up your own mind. Do you want this? Nathaniel said, yes, I have expected him to just turn me, turn me down. I said, well, if you want it, then lift up your hands and let's begin to pray. He lifted up his hands, just staring at me. He said, I don't know how to pray. I said, Nathaniel, well, I'll, I'll pray a little bit. You just repeat after me until you get something deep down inside of you that says, you know what? I need to talk to you for myself. And you begin to form your own words. About 15 words later, Nathaniel started talking to God himself, just emptying himself out before the Lord. All of a sudden, tears trickling down his face. And those kids, man, they're watching them like buzzards. They're circling, man. As soon as they feel the wind of the Spirit come, my God, the Holy Ghost about to fill Nathaniel. They come all back and, and throw their hands on them again and suffocate them again. But by this time, Nathaniel's talking in tongues. I'm telling you, God wants to break every depression. Every addiction in your life, every chain of bondage. But you can't just be fat and happy saying, you know what, I'm good with good church. Let me go home and just live my life. No, you got to be desperate. You got to be hungry. You got to be willing to do something you ain't never done before. You got to be that hungry to say, I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm not going to go home and die. I'm going to do something different. I'm willing to surrender.
Is anybody willing to surrender? Is anybody, you got, you got something inside of you said, I can't, I can't stay the same anymore. Would you stand up to your feet right now? God's drawing you. God's speaking to you. And if there was ever a time to move, it's right now. Oh, God is looking for somebody who's hungry. My parents, as the music comes, I'll tell one last story. My parents on the verge of divorce. I was seven years old, a brother eight years old. We, we went to bed, my, my parents fighting, my, my, just alcohol, all kind of stuff. We were a wreck. We always went to church. It wasn't a church like this. We did the best we knew how to do. And we went to a very traditional church where we just showed up, put in our time, left, and nothing changed. My parents were on the verge of divorce. Their lives was, were broken. And my mom worked with a Pentecostal lady who went to a Pentecostal church like this. And she picked her up for work in the morning. And as they were driving down the road, my mom says that the car stereo actually got stuck. I didn't know this. I, uh, uh, she said it was broken. And it was broken on a gospel channel. And my mom's a talker in the morning. She needs, she needs noise. And Mindy wasn't a talker. So mom turned up that radio, started listening to this choir. And out loud, she said, man, I wish I went to a church like that. They actually sound like they believe what they're singing. And Mindy said, I go to a church like that. She invited mom. Mom loved it. She invited the family, my dad, my brother, and me the next night. Mom was filled with the Holy Ghost in that revival. Baptized in Jesus' name, tears streaming down her face. Immediately, she was changed, and my dad knew it. We all knew it. My dad was mad. I think he was mad it didn't happen to him first. He was mad at this crazy people, this crazy church, this out-of-control people. But he knew something was different, too. And he couldn't stop coming. So he told my mom, if you're going to go to that church, well, I'm going to go, too, and protect my family from these bunch of crazy people. But my dad was hungry. Somewhere deep down inside of him, God, God was speaking. And somewhere deep down in my dad, he got so mad. Two, three months later, an evangelist came through, was reading his mail. He looked at my mom and said, you told him everything. My mom said, I never met that man in my life. I don't know. I don't know that man. That man didn't know anything about my dad. It was the word of God that was speaking straight to his heart. My dad got so mad, he got up and left the building. And that crazy preacher chased him. I've always said, I'm not going to chase you down, so get what you need from God. I'm not chasing you down. But I don't know that I, I, I'm going to keep that promise anymore because I'm desperate for somebody to get what you need from God. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I love you. I want you to be comfortable. But you got to get uncomfortable. you got to make up your mind. I'm not going to sit here in my pride and die. Today's the day I'm surrendering my heart. Today's the day I'm obeying the Word of God. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to get deliverance today. If that's your attitude, you're going to get deliverance today. Dad walked back through those doors. That man talked to him 10, 15 minutes. Dad walked back through those doors, hit his knees. I can remember it like he said yesterday. Tears streaming down his face, his hands lifted up. My dad surrendered. Was filled with the Spirit of God. He got up and danced all across that place. He didn't care a soul that was watching. He danced and danced and danced and danced, delivered, set free. 
My God, he wants to set somebody free today from anxiety, from depression, from bondage, from pornography. I'm telling you, God wants to set you free, sir. And you've been dealing, you've been saying, I got to do this all on my own. No, no, no. It's the power of God that's speaking to you today. He said, you, you can't do it on your own. You need my power too. But with your obedience to my word, if you'll surrender, I'll give you the power. Come on, somebody. Would you lift up your hands and say, God, that's me today. I'm hungry. I don't care who knows it. I'm hungry. This message is to the hungry. Is anybody hungry? As they begin to sing and play and worship is anybody hungry do you want to change in your life come on god wants to change you uh, he wants to rearrange some things uh, god wants god is for you i'm telling you god is for, and if god be for you who can be against you tell that devil get thee behind me uh, i'm gonna make up my mind i ain't staying here and dying i'm moving at the sound uh, of the word of god oh yeah come on somebody the holy ghost is here can you lift up your hands with eyes closed can you respond this altar area is open. This is where we come surrender our hearts to God. Maybe you want to get a little bit uncomfortable, and God's going to meet you if you'll step out. Hallelujah, I promise you, He will meet you. He will deliver you. What do you need from God? Come on, make up your mind. If you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, have all your sins washed away. We can baptize you in Jesus' name. If you need the power of God's Spirit, come on, lift up your hands and tell Him, I'm hungry for you, God. I'm, I'm desperate, Lord, for a change in my life. I'm ready to be filled with your Spirit, God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Come on, cry out to him. If you don't know how to pray, just say his name, Jesus. Come on, just tell him, I surrender, God. God's going to meet you right where you are. That's wonderful. Hallelujah.